Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are looking at the reading from the book of Acts, chapter 4. You heard it read earlier. We get a very clear statement of just how the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ changed lives. Not only do we get our sins forgiven, not only do we get a clear conscience before God, not only is the fear of death removed, not only are the benefits of salvation through Jesus Christ risen, a future reality we see in our own resurrection, but they start now. The benefits start now. Our lives take on a whole new meaning and purpose because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Before faith or apart from faith, there is worry. Worry about tomorrow. Worry about our needs being met. Worry about whether we will have enough. Whether we will survive. Whether we will overcome, whether we'll make it through. And all of those worries have been removed for the ones who trust in Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. You see, he promised that because he lives, we will also. And since that is the reality for all those who believe in Jesus Christ, they don't have to worry and fret about their own needs because God is a God who provides in the full and complete sense of the word all of our needs. He literally has given us life when all we had was to look forward to death. He has given us new life. We're studying the book of First Peter, the letter, and he keeps reminding us that we've been rebirthed, that God has rebirthed us to new life. And what does that new life of faith look like? And we have a beautiful example here in the early church. You see, if your salvation, your life, your fundamental needs have all been taken care of because you now possess new life, eternal life in Christ, and the spirit of the resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus is ever present with you now, then your present life is a gift from God to be managed to the glory of God and the welfare of others. You don't have to spend the rest of your life worrying about and taking care of yourself because God has already done that. Your life is now lived in the taking care of the needs of others. That's what we see happened to the first believers in the resurrection. The Bible calls that community. We call that today church. So one of the byproducts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was this thing called Church, please don't think of the building. It's the community 
of believers that come together. The early Christian church had the apostles who relentlessly preached the gospel and bore witness to the resurrection with words, and they had a faithful community that preached the gospel very often without words. They did it with deeds. They did it by taking to heart the one another's of the New Testament. There's a collage of all of them. The one another's, they're all over the New Testament. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Accept one another. Encourage one another daily. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Pray for one another. Love one another deeply from the heart. And they did that. We get a description of the first congregation. It is so interesting that as they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, and as they ate together and worshipped together and shared everything, this is what the Bible records. The Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. God was building his church. And it's a testimony to the power of the gospel in word and deed. The church has the best message the world has ever heard. And the church has the best caring community the world will ever know. This is not a coincidence. This is all part of God's plan from the beginning, actually. I was looking in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. That goes back pretty far. And listen, this is God giving his laws, his word, to the community of Israel. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? God told the Old Testament believers that they would be a witness to the nations and the same is true of the church. Wow. God is with them. Look how they love one another. Even secular history records the witness of the early Christians in the words, see how they love one another. No surprise. Jesus predicted this in John 13. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, obvious question. Is that true of the church today? I sure hope so. Satan has sold many people today on a cheap substitute for God's 
gift of community. And in our day and age, people are looking for their spiritual fulfillment everywhere else. But you won't find this kind of community on Facebook. And you won't find this sense of deep connectedness on Twitter or have, as we have learned this past year, even on Zoom. Hmm. There is no substitute for face-to-face -face community rooted and founded on the principle of Jesus' love one another as I have loved you. Now, can you see how the resurrection completely changes our attitude about everything? The early believers went from worrying about themselves to worrying about the needs of others, and pooling their resources, they did something about the needs of others. I want you to look at this passage with me. These are the forefathers of our faith because of their faithful witness. We are here today as a community blessed with salvation because of their faithfulness to hearing and preaching and living the very word of God. Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Now, these people came from all over the place. You got to read the book of Acts. From every walk of life, the rich, the poor, the educated, the uneducated, men, women, the hurting, the lonely, the strong, the successful, the leaders, the followers, on and on. And they were all united. Not because of their personal circumstances. Those were very different. They were one in heart and mind, which means in their attitude and their purpose, their will, and their emotions. They were one in faith. The resurrection of Jesus Christ affected them in all the same way. It completely changed their purpose for living. And now, what does that look like? Look what it says. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. All of a sudden, their lives were not their own to do with as they pleased. There was a new master in town. There was a new master on the throne of their lives, and he was making decisions for them. And he was doing what he does so well. He was loving the people. But this time, it was through his followers. They really believed Jesus was living through them, that his Holy Spirit had filled them. And so they no longer had this tight-fisted attitude that I've got to take care of my needs and I've got to hold on to what I have and I've got to build bigger barns to hold all my goods so that I can eat, drink, and be merry. Now all their needs were taken care of because they didn't just believe in the idea of God. They really believed in God. 
They personally understood that God would take care of them. And they believed the testimony of the apostles who preached the good news of Jesus rising from the dead. God was very, very real and very, very close. Not living in the far reaches of the heavens, but also taking residence up within their own hearts in the person and work of the Holy Spirit, changing them into the people that he had initially created them to be. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. Lives were being changed from self-oriented to God-oriented to other-oriented. The community of believers were all about love and taking care of each other. Grace was upon them all. Grace is undeserved love. Not deserved love, undeserved love. Just stop and think about a time you got something absolutely wonderful and you know you didn't deserve it. A lot of you think of when you had a baby. Maybe you got a promotion. Maybe you got an unexpected call from a long-lost friend. Maybe you got an inheritance. That overwhelming feeling of being blessed beyond all measure. Capture that feeling and then times it by thousands. Because if we read the chapter before, 5,000 people came to faith. all feeling that kind of gratitude, you put them all together, wow. Undeserved love, that's what it was like in the first congregation. How unbelievable. There were no needy persons among them. What? No one was in need? That's a lot of people in a poor and oppressed city and country. That was often plagued by famine and war. There were no needy persons among them. I mean, we read history and the Gospels all about the poor beggars in the streets that lined the streets and were on the outskirts of the towns and villages and cities, outskirts of Jerusalem, and often outskirts of the temple. We read all about them. There were tons of poor in Jewish society dominated by Roman occupation. Don't think that a society where everybody believes that what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours is going to be motivated to help the poor. Only those who understand undeserved love are going to be able to dish out that kind of generosity. Those early Christians felt that same way, and it's recorded for us. Oh, listen to this. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, 
and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Generosity? No, this is incredible generosity. That was the mark of the poor church in Jerusalem. Now, please note, some people misinterpret this passage and earlier descriptions in Acts chapter 2 that say all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Some misinterpret that early Christians were somehow like our present-day Hutterites are, lived in their own little community somewhere. Not true. Acts 2.46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, their homes, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. If they kept coming together to meet, then they had to be coming from somewhere. They were coming from their homes. They all had their businesses. They all had their families and their little pieces of property. But those things became secondary to their newfound purpose, which was to love one another and take care of one another as God added to their number daily. Some people have thought that the early church was a form of communism where all property is publicly owned because that's kind of the tenant of communism. Nope. There's a big difference. Communism is legislated. You have to live that way whether you want to or not. In Christianity, you have the attitude that nothing belongs to you personally because it belongs to God and that you are simply a manager of it for his purposes. Everything is motivated by an incredible gratitude towards God for all that he has done for you and an understanding that people are far more valuable than possessions. That is God's view. It's always been God's view. And now it is also the view of all of his children. Do you see the resurrection of Jesus Christ passes on the heavenly Father's values to his children? The Spirit of God at work in you to give you the proper perspective. And please notice that the believers did these incredible acts of generosity from time to time. As God continued to bless, the generous gifts and acts of kindness continued to pour in. This is what happens when you live what you believe. And what you believe is that God will supply your every need. And the resurrection of Jesus proves that. Now, This is good news. This is what the church is. Why we get this recorded for us? That we never forget what the church is to be. So it's a little time for self-examination of your own life. 
Do you believe what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours? Are you a taker, consumer, a giver? Are you greedy or are you generous? What are you known to be in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of others? Do you live like this life is all there is? So you better spend, spend, spend on yourself to get the most out of it. Or maybe you hold on to whatever you have because this life is all there is. Hmm. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, conquered all fear, and gave to you eternal, everlasting life? If you really believe that, then live what you believe. God who gave up his one and only son for you would not also give you everything you need. Do you believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything and changes how you live your daily life? Our forefathers in the faith did and we should too. Generosity is a mark of the Christian. Amen.